Welcome to the Karis Christian Center podcast. Um, I'm actually going to do a series for a few weeks entitled Between a Rock and a Hard Place. And uh, I just felt like I wanted to talk, talk to people, share to people about what to do when you're going through a tough time. You know, um, here on this earth, we will face challenges, we will face tough times, but, but God has placed something on the inside of us that um, is super powerful. We, we need to engage this faith that he's in place inside of us. So I'm going to be just sharing from scripture about how to, how to engage faith, how to release faith, and how to just really come through um, difficult circumstances. So my opening scripture is from 2 Corinthians 4. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn there to 2 Corinthians 4, and we'll start in verse 8. It says, we are hard pressed on every side. So Paul here is writing to the Corinthian church, just acknowledging that, that you know, as believers, we do face challenges here on the earth. We are hard pressed on every side, but he says, yet not crushed. I like that he has a, an important conjunction between all these statements. We're hard pressed on every side, yet we're not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed, always caring about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our body. So he's talking about what's going on on the outside. He's saying that there might be a hard pressing going on. There might be perplexing situations. You might be facing persecution. You, people may be trying to strike you down, but there is something on the inside of you that is greater. There is something that is going to be manifest from the inside of you, and that is the, the eternal life of Jesus Christ is on the inside of the believer. So when we're facing these situations, this hard pressing, we have to release what is on the inside of us. Amen? And um, I was just thinking about, um, uh, just as an example, I, I really like high-end watches. I've been, um, for a number of years, I, I've bought and sold high-end watches. But there are um, watches that, that are designed that can withstand incredible um, depths of water. They can, they can withstand incredible um, pressure. So I was looking at one of my washes, and it can go down to 3,000 meters below sea level. 3,000 meters below sea level. And um, I was looking at, at this watch, and I looked up how it's able to withstand that kind of pressure. And um, it's actually something that Rolex invented for watches in the 1960s. They had a watch called the, the Submariner. It's made for divers. And they invented something, um, a valve on the side of the watch that would release helium and hydrogen gas from inside the watch when pressure built up. So it's called a helium release valve. So, so over the decades, watch companies have even um, been able to improve these types of things, but, but when the pressure builds up, there has to be a release. Otherwise, the, um, the watch can actually explode, the crystal can explode. And um, so there has to be a release. And this type of valve that releases um, hydrogen and helium, it's so small, the valve is so small that um, water can't enter in. H2O is bigger than just a single hydrogen atom or single helium atoms. So water can't in, but, but other gases can be released. That way the, the watch isn't crushed. So when we're facing tough situations, there has to be a release of what is on the inside of you. The life of Jesus is on the inside of you. The faith of Jesus Christ is on the inside of you. So even though you might be pressed from every side, 
The, the pressure on, inside of you, what is inside of you is greater. It makes you indestructible. God has placed something on the inside of you, and you need to release it. First John 5, 4 says that whatever is born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. So, you know, just, just here on the earth, we will face pressing situations. These situations are not from God, but God can, can help us through it. He can release something on the inside of us. You are built to release faith. As you release faith, you will not be crushed. You will not be corrupted. What is pressing you from the outside does not have to enter in. Amen. The Bible says that in our spirit, we are born of the incorruptible seed of the word of God. You know, I, I, when, I, when I look for watches, I always, I'm always very careful not to buy watches that have water damage. If water has creeped in and, and gotten into the movement, it, it's, it's really bad. When you release faith, the, the, the junk that's in the world will not enter and you will not be corrupted because you are born again of the incorruptible seed of the word of God. So I want to talk about that pressure that's inside of you, that life of Jesus that is on the inside of you. Man, Jesus has, has placed it within you. And one thing that the devil tries to rob, tries to corrupt is that supernatural joy that is on the inside of you. That joy, it's like an anointing oil. We're going to talk a little bit tonight about, about the anointing oil, the power of the anointing oil. But joy is your anointing oil. That is what Jesus has anointed you with, with, with his spirit on the inside of you. I like what James says. James, in James chapter 1, verse 2 through 5, it says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. So he's saying when, when you're going through different situations, different difficulties, different pressings on every side, keep your joy. Don't, don't, don't let it take away your joy. Count it all joy, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. And he goes on to say that the, the, these trials, these testings, they are not from God because God is only good. He can only give good things. But even though when you're going through different trials, different testings, your faith will be released and it produces patience. And it says, let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. So I believe this. I'm going I'm to share on this, kind of explain this tonight. But when you count it all joy, when you release your faith, you will have great patience. You'll have great endurance. You will be unstoppable. You will not be corrupted. You will not fall down. Amen. Just before church, one of, one of our volunteers who helps on security, he was, he was shoveling snow, and as he was shoveling snow on the ramp, he fell down, and, and um, Heather was very worried. Heather, Heather um, goes into action, you know, if she sees someone fall down, one of our kids, um, but she's like, are you okay? And, and I, I just kind of joked, I said, he's all right, he's a righteous man, and the, the righteous may fall seven times, he'll get up, and he just got up and kept going with it. He just counted it all joy. So um, let's go to Genesis 27. I want to get into the heart of my message tonight. I actually want to look at Jacob. Um, as I've been um, reading a few weeks ago, reading through my Bible story in Genesis, um, God just showed me a lot of really cool things from the life of Jacob. And I want to um, focus on Jacob tonight. And we'll just kind of skip around in, in some of the accounts of Jacob's life. But um, when you're between a rock and a hard place, kind of pressed from every side, my first point that I've learned from looking at the life of Jacob is this. 
If you're taking notes, you can write this down. Remember that you are blessed. No matter what is going on on the outside, you have to remember that you are blessed. And let's look at Genesis 27. We'll start here in verse 41. So this is um, after um, Jacob and Esau had a lot of conflict. Jacob um, tricked Esau out of his birthright. Esau came home very hungry after a big hunt. And Jacob said, hey, I'll make you, I have a, you know, delicious pot of beans right here. If you want some beans, just give me your double portion and, and you won't starve to death. So Esau took him up on that offer. And um, um, the Bible says he actually despised his birthright. I think that's a good term for it. If you give up what, what is yours, what is part of your birthright for um, a bowl of beans, it's called, you're really despising what God gave you. And um, God kind of showed me something about, um, we, we have a lot of rights and privileges and um, promises as believers. And when we, when we turn away from those things to, to listen to the enemy, to, to allow him with his pressing to just give in to, to whatever hunger, whatever is going on, um, it's called despising the birthright. And whatever the enemy has to offer you in exchange for your birthright, it's always a very terrible deal. Usually what the devil has to offer, what the enemy has to offer, it, it doesn't amount more, it doesn't amount to more than a, a bowl of beans. I've seen people throw away some pretty awesome things for, for something that's really meaningless, really not that valuable. And um, don't despise, and, and every time people, people go off the rails, it's usually over something really dumb, something that doesn't, like in the moment, it might feel like, if I don't have this, I'm going to die. But what the enemy has to offer in exchange for, 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 for what God has given you, your destiny, your purpose, your honor, your, everything he's given to you as, as a birthright, as a believer, nothing the enemy can give you can compare to that. Amen? So let's look here, um, Genesis 27. We'll start here in verse 41. So um, Jacob also um, deceived his father. Isaac wanted to bless both Esau and Jacob before he passed away. And um, Jacob's mother wanted Jacob to get the, the greater blessing, so she told him to, to, to you know, dress like Esau, put on his clothes so he smells like him, um, put on lamb skin over his arms so he's hairy like Esau so he could get get a, a greater blessing. So um, Isaac spoke this blessing over him, and the blessing was so powerful. The spoken blessing is so powerful. Um, even Isaac, when he spoke it, said, I can't reverse what I've spoken. The, the, the spoken blessing is irreversible. And Isaac, Isaac knew the power of the spoken blessing, and even after he blessed Jacob, he told Esau, I cannot reverse what I've spoken over him. The spoken blessing is so powerful, it is irreversible. And God has spoken blessings over you. I'm going to share a little bit about this, but um, this is really cool. So let's look here. Genesis 27, verse 41. It says, So Esau hated Jacob because of the blessing with which his father blessed him. And Esau said in his heart, The days of mourning for my father are at hand, and I will kill my brother Jacob. Um, their father, Isaac, actually didn't pass away for several more years, but Esau was filled with such hatred, he actually wished that his father would die so he could go and just kill Jacob without being cursed by his father before his father died. 
The only thing that kind of held Esau back was, was his father. He didn't want to be cursed by his father before his father died. So Esau said, man, when he dies, I'm going to kill my brother Jacob. Verse 42, it says, the words of Esau... Her older son were told to Rebekah, so she sent and called Jacob, her younger son, and said to him, Surely your brother Esau comforts himself concerning you by intending to kill you. Now, therefore, my son, obey my voice. Arise, flee to my brother Laban in Haran, and stay with him a few days until your brother's fury turns away. So initially, he's going to go away, I guess, for a few days, but it actually took Thousands of days. He was gone for, for 14 years or more before he returned. Verse 45, it says, Until your brother's anger turns away from you and he forgets you, what you have done to him, then I will send and bring you from there. Why should I be bereaved also of you both in one day? And Rebekah said to Isaac, I am weary of my life because of the daughters of Heth. If Jacob takes a wife of the daughters of Heth, like these who are the daughters of the land, what good will my life be to me? So Rebecca, one of her issues with Esau was that um, he, he married um, non-believing women, non-faith women. He married um, women from that land, Canaanite women. And I, I see that there's a strong link between um, your relationships and despising um, what God has given you. The people that you cho choose to put in your inner circle, the people that you push away, it's often a reflection of, of your relationship with God. So Esau, Esau, I believe, didn't really have, value his relationship with God, didn't value his relationship with his parents, did not really value um, the birthright. And because of this, he married people he shouldn't have married. Um, verse Verse 1 in chapter 20, it says, Isaac called Jacob and blessed him and charged him. I love that Isaac, Isaac wanted to speak blessing over Jacob one more time. This is, this is um, something very powerful. Um, I know there's a lot of parents here, a lot of grandparents. Speak the blessing over your children every chance you get. Speak the blessing over your children, over your grandchildren, over your great-grandchildren every chance you get. It, Isaac called Jacob, blessed him, and charged him, and said to him, You shall not take a wife from the daughters of Canaan. Arise, go to Padan Aram, to the house of Bethuel, your mother's father, and take yourself a wife from there of the daughters of Laban, your mother's brother. May God Almighty bless you. So he starts speaking that blessing over Jacob one more time. May God Almighty bless you. He's saying that this name for God Almighty, it is El Shaddai. May, may the God of more than enough bless you. That is the name that God revealed to Abraham. When, when Abraham was 99 years old and he'd been waiting over 20 years to, to see Isaac be conceived and be born. This is the name that God revealed himself to Abraham. And this is a very similar blessing that God spoke over Abraham. May God Almighty El Shaddai bless you, the God of more than enough bless you, and make you fruitful and multiply you, that you may be an assembly of peoples. So he actually adds something to this blessing that, that probably Abraham Abraham probably prayed this similar blessing over Isaac. Now Isaac is praying it over Jacob, and, and Isaac adds something. He says, may you be an assembly of peoples. That word for assembly, this is the first time it's used in Scripture. And it's, very, it's a very powerful term. Um, I'll tell you what it is um, right here. This word for, for an assembly of peoples, it means a congregation. It is the, it is the word kahel. And there's very something powerful about a congregation, about an assembly of peoples. 
You know, he knew that Jacob was, was going to be running for his life, going to somewhere where he didn't, he had never been before. He knew that he would be facing difficult situations, but he told him, he, he blessed him with, with this, um, this blessing of, of, of being a part of a group of people, an assembly of people. One thing that the enemy tries to do when you're going through a hard time is isolate you. There is no blessing attached to isolation. A lot of people think that they're, they're holier than everyone else, and I'm just going to go into isolation because God, you know, God does not call people into isolation for long periods of time. He calls people into relationship. Relationships affect your destiny. There is no blessing of isolation. There is a blessing on the assembly. There is a blessing of a congregation. There, and I can't mention this enough, and I'm going to say this. This is the Wednesday night, so I can be kind of blunt. But as a great example of, of, of the dangers of isolation, look at Lot and his two daughters. Screwball things happen when, when you isolate yourselves, when you isolate your family from, from, from where God wants you to be. And if you don't know the story of Lot and his two daughters when they, when they fled and lived in a cave and were completely isolated, you can go study it out for yourself. It's not a pretty story. You know, another example would be the movie Castaway with Tom Hanks. When someone is isolated for a very long time, they start going crazy. They start talking to volleyballs named Wilson. And when Wilson blows away in a storm, it's great, great wailing and gnashing of teeth. Screwball things happen when you're isolated. There is no blessing on isolation. There is a blessing on being a part of an assembly. There is a blessing of being part of a congregation, this word kahel. And I love that Isaac speaks it over Jacob because later on, Jacob encounters God and God speaks a similar blessing over Jacob. And when God speaks a blessing over Jacob, he used that exact same word. It's the second time that word is used in scripture. God speaks to Jacob and says, I'm going to make a nation out of you and an assembly of nations will come from you. There is going to be a congregation coming from you. There, there is a corporate anointing that is going to come from your life. So he, he, he blesses him. Uh, chapter 28, verse 3, may God Almighty bless you, make you fruitful, and multiply you. That blessing of multiplication, he's speaking it over him. And give you the blessing of Abraham to you and to your descendants, that you may inherit the land in which you are a stranger, which God gave to Abraham. So he speaks a blessing full of fruitfulness, multiplication, a blessing for the assembly to his children, and also a blessing of inheritance. Man, I love that. He gave him the blessing of Abraham. That is a blessing of inheritance. And he knew that he would be going through a hard time. Um, we're going to kind of talk about what happens next in his life. Um, let's skip ahead here to um, verse 10. Verse 10, so, so I love that Isaac speaks this blessing over Jacob. He, 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 every chance he can, he speaks that blessing over him. I, I just love that. And um, like I said, um, fathers, mothers, grandparents, speak the blessing over your children, over your grandchildren, every chance you get. Every time I pray for, for my kids before they go to bed, I, I pray the blessing over them. I, I speak blessing over them. I pray protection over them. I pray provision over them. I pray peace over them. I pray God's presence over them. And we can see that that is what um, Jacob um, really desires in his life. So let's look at verse 10 here. 
Um, Jacob is, is running away, fleeing for his life. It says he, he went out from Beersheba and went toward Haran. So he came to a certain place and stayed there all night because the sun had set. And he took one of the stones of that place and put it at his head, and he lay down in that place to sleep. So as I was reading through this um, passage of Scripture, I, I really got the title for this message called Between a Rock and a Hard Place. Jacob had nothing in his life. The only thing he had was a rock to sleep on, a rock to lay his head on. He was fleeing for his life. He, he knew that he was blessed. He remembered that he's, he was blessed. Um, his father spoke this blessing over him before he left. And now he's kind of facing, facing, um, facing the, these very difficult situations. He's going to a place where he's going to be a stranger. He doesn't know anyone. He doesn't have any possessions. He's sleeping on a rock. But it says, um, as, as he fell asleep, in verse 12, that he dreamed, and behold, a ladder was set up on the earth, and its top reached to heaven. And there the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac, the land on which you lie, I will give to you and your descendants. Also your descendants shall be as the dust of the earth. You shall spread abroad to the west and the east, to the north and the south, and in you and in your seed, all the families of the earth shall be blessed." Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go. and will bring you back to this land, for I will not leave you until I have done what I have spoken to you. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. So he's saying, in the natural, I didn't know it, but God helped me see into the realm of the Spirit. The other day when I was driving home from, from school with my, my son Fisher, he was asking about angels and um, and, and um about heaven and about spiritual things. And I, I told Fisher, as simply as I could, I said, Fisher, there, there, are, there are two great realities. There, there is a physical realm and there is a spiritual realm. They are both realities. And um, God, God, God is a spirit and he wants to impact our physical reality. But there are things happening that your natural eyes cannot see. And you always have to be aware that there is a spiritual reality in addition to the physical realm that we live in. And um, in, in his nine-year-old brain, he, it just clicked with him and he got it. So even if I can't see something, I, I know it can be there. I know that God is there even if I don't see it or feel it, taste, touch, or smell it. And um, this is what, what Jacob is realizing, that, that I might be facing something here in the physical realm. I might be just sleeping on this rock, be, be hard-pressed on every side, but there is something going on in the spirit realm right now. There, there are literal angels coming up and down from heaven right now. And he makes some um, very, very important statements here. Um, uh, verse 17, it said, He was afraid and said, How awesome is this place. This is none other than the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. Then Jacob rose early in the morning and took the stone that he had, put it at his head, and set it up as a pillar, and poured oil on top of it. So I believe he was a pre-Pentecostal type believer. He wanted to anoint things with oil, whether it be, be the church or, or chairs or whatever, whatever he could set his hands onto, he was going to anoint it and realize that it was holy unto the Lord. So he took his oil, anointed this rock, and said, that, made it a pillar, made it an altar to God, and he called the name of that place Bethel, which means the house of God, even though the name of it had been loose previously. Then Jacob made a vow saying, if God be with me. So he's praying for God's presence. These are four important things to pray for, four important things to, to proclaim blessing over on your life, over the lives of your loved ones. I call them the four Ps. Pray for God's presence. 
If God will be with me and keep me in this way that I am going, pray for his protection and give me bread to eat and clothing to put on. Pray for his provision so that I come back to my father's house in peace. Pray for peace. Pray for for godly relationships. These things I pray over over my kids every time I tuck them in and I pray that I pray God's presence over them. I say, I thank you, God, that you are with my son. You are with my daughter wherever they go. I don't care if they're at school, at home, playing with friends. God, I thank you that you are always with them and you will never leave them. I thank you, Lord, that you are going to protect them. You give them good angels. You give them good guardian angels that protect them. I thank you that they are going to be protected from illness. They are protected from broken bones. I thank you, Lord, for supernatural protection on their life. Lord, I thank you for provision. I think that my kids are going to grow up. They are not going to beg bread. I have never seen the righteous forsaken nor their seed begging bread. I think that my kids are going to have more than enough. I think that they're, they're going to be givers. They're not going to be takers. They're going to help people. They're not going to create problems. I thank you, Lord, that you are blessing them so that they can be a blessing to everyone around them. And you should pray, pray bold prayers, bold prayers over, over your loved ones, bold prayers of God's presence, of his protection, of his provision, and of his peace. I thank you, God, that you're bringing good friends into my kid's life. I thank you, Lord, that, that my kid is a witness for you. I thank you, Lord, that his life is going to testify of your goodness. His life is going to testify of, of, of you, God. I thank you that he is a living testimony. You are making him a walking advertisement for this is how I treat my kids. I pray over, over peace in his relationships. I, I've, Heather, Heather's prayed over supernatural favor. Before I even met her, she told me with, with Fisher, even since he was a little, a little baby, I would pray for favor over his life. That kid has more favor than anyone I know. But it's because the time he was born, his mama's been praying supernatural favor over his life. Just supernatural. Just, just yesterday, he, he had lunch with the school principal. He goes to a really big school, a great school. He just, just had lunch with the principal and played Uno in the principal's office. I, I never had that kind of favor. I'm a little jealous. If I, if I ever went to the principal's office, it, it wasn't to play Uno. It was probably because I was being a little ornery and breaking the rules. I've been told I'm a rule breaker at times. Because I'm a grace. I'm under grace. I'm not under the law. Verse 20, praise I come back to my father's house in peace, and the Lord shall be my God. This stone which I have set as a pillar shall be God's house, and of all that you give me, I will surely give a tenth to you. And this is really powerful because um, we see that Jacob, um, from the time that he only had a rock and some anointing oil, he said, I'm going to give a tenth to you. And uh, there's something very, there's, there's a very powerful blessing upon the tithe. And, um, and I can see right here, there's a very strong um, connection biblically and scripturally between the tithe and, and an open heaven. Here we see that Jacob saw that this is the house of God, this is the very gate of heaven. So there's a strong correlation between the the, the gate of heaven being opened up and the tithe. Later in Malachi, Malachi prophesies and says that that if you you test me in this, if if you tithe, I'm going to pour out a blessing for you that you cannot contain. I'm going to open up 
the windows of heaven. There's a strong correlation between the tithe and an open heaven. And I love that that part of Jacob's vision was seeing angels coming up and down this ladder from heaven to him there on earth through this open gate of heaven. What, what are angels sent to do? They are sent to minister to those who are going to inherit salvation. We see it in Hebrews 1.14. It says, angels, that they, are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for those who will inherit salvation? I believe that these angels, that they were ministering to Jacob, that, they were, that they, were, they were paving that way in the spirit realm for him to receive supernatural protection and supernatural provision. Because I know when, when Jacob came back to that same place, 14 years later, he had more than just a, a rock as a pillow. And, and, and over the next period, like he was still hard pressed. He was still going through difficulties. He was still facing persecution. He was still facing obstacles. But, but he had God's presence. He had God's protection. He had, God, he had God's provision. And he had God's supernatural peace upon his life. Even when he returned to that same spot, Esau, Esau heard that Jacob was coming back, and Esau had 400 men coming with him. What do you think, why do you think Esau had 400 men coming with him to greet his brother Jacob? Someday when I get to heaven, I'm going to ask, what were his intentions? I think his intentions weren't to throw a big party for Jacob. Probably he was just waiting to kill him, but he had supernatural peace upon his life. He had supernatural protection. There were angels just surrounding him, just shifting things from the, within the spirit realm into the natural realm, shifting relationships, shifting hearts. Amen? So there, there is a strong correlation between the tithe and, and this, this gate of heaven. This window of heaven. I like what Malachi 3.10 says. I want to read the entire verse. Um, I left a part of it out that I want to mention. Malachi 3.10 says, Bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. What does that mean, the Lord of hosts? What are the hosts? Hosts of angel armies. There is a strong connection between, between these angel armies and the tithe. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. I, I don't want just one guardian angel. I want the Lord of hosts. I want the host of angels. I want, I want to see multiple angels in the spirit realm bringing me protection, bringing me provision, bringing me supernatural peace. Even, when, even in the natural, when, when, when people shouldn't like me, they can't help but just give me favor, give me promotion, give me blessing, even, even though in the, in the natural, they might want to just crush me. There, there, is, there is a great spiritual reality. Amen? And, and, and something happens in the spirit realm when we tithe. So keep being a giver. That's my next point here. Something that I, I see in Jacob's life that even when he was hard-pressed, even when he didn't have much, he committed to being a giver. So number one, when, when, you're, when you're facing difficulty, how to release his faith, remember that you're blessed. And number two, keep being a giver. I've been pastoring now for close to seven years, and I've seen multiple people go through very difficult situations. And one thing I often tell people is, is stay involved. Don't get isolated, but, but keep being a giver. Keep, keep, keep sowing into other, keep, keep, 
giving, giving of your time, giving of your heart, giving of your finances. Keep giving. Amen? And there, there are many ways to give you, um, you know, financially, you can give of your talents, you can give of your time, you can give of your heart. And when, when you keep giving, even though you might be facing difficult situations, God, that, that just releases faith. It causes you to step out, out of your comfort zone, even though you might be, might be hurting, might be struggling, and you say, you know what, God, I'm going to keep helping other people. I'm going to keep being a blessing to other people. Just, just supernatural things are really, supernatural things happen. You know, I kind of, one of my favorite stories that I, I, I heard um, years back was when I was living in Houston, working on my um, a master's and doctorate at Rice University. I went to Lakewood Church. Joel Osteen's the pastor, and um, he has two siblings that are also on staff there as pastors. His brother, um, Dr. Paul Osteen, and his sister, Lisa Comas Osteen. And I love Lisa. She was actually my favorite preacher at Lakewood Church. She was a fireball Holy Ghost preacher. She, she um, really carries the direct anointing from her father, John Osteen. And um, um, one time I was listening to her preach on a Wednesday night, and she shared her testimony, um, just, just what God had done in her life. And um, for her, her entire life growing up, she wanted to be just like her mom. She wanted to marry a pastor, have lots of kids, be just like her mama. And um, she, she went off to, to school and um, got, got married kind of young. She married a pastor. She was really excited. But after being married for only two weeks, her husband left her, divorced her, was done with her. And um, that was her, her main goal in life. Her only goal, goal was to be married to a preacher. And, and she was just thrown away like a piece of garbage, went home, um, dealt with so much depression. She, for, for weeks, she didn't even come out of her, her bedroom. And um, God actually spoke to her as she was um, dealing with this incredible depression and said that you actually need to start a ministry to divorced women. And she said, I, I didn't want to do it. I didn't, I didn't feel like it. I, I had so much depression. I didn't want to come out of my room. But she said, I did what God told me to do. I, I started ministering to other people who, who are dealing with similar situations as me. And, and, and she said, God, God brought supernatural healing into my life. And um, I, I encourage a lot of people in a loving way to, to stay connected, keep, keep giving, keep sowing, keep, keep pouring out into other people. And, and when I see, see people commit to doing that, it's amazing what God can do. So keep giving, keep having a giving heart, keep having a giving attitude, even though other people maybe have taken advantage of you and used you. Keep keep. keep offering your life in service to God and what he's calling you to do. And supernatural things will happen. Amen? All right, let's go on here. Let's look at um, Genesis 32. Now we're going to skip ahead a little bit. Um, Genesis 32, verse 24. So this is um, after about 14 years, um, Jacob uh, met Laban. He, when when he, he met Laban, um, he instantly fell in love with one of Laban's daughters, Rachel. And uh, uh, Laban cut him a deal and said, hey, if you work for me for seven years, you can marry Rachel. And um, so they had, had the wedding, and um, Laban deceived Jacob when, when Jacob was, had too much um, wedding wine. He, he slipped in the less attractive sister into the, his bedroom, and, and he physically wed the other sister, Leah. And when he woke up, um, it wasn't, wasn't what he was expecting. 
And I'm glad that's not happened to me. It's probably a very unusual, difficult circumstance. And um, Jacob probably felt, man, I, I wish I just went back to that rock and just slept on that rock. And But now he's married to, to Leah, and um, I guess that was seven years for Leah. But then Laban says, well, in a couple of weeks, I'll let you marry Rachel as well, and then you'll just owe me another seven years. So, so Jacob owed 14 years to this trickster, um, Laban. And Jacob was a bit of a trickster himself, so he probably was learning his lesson. Maybe I... You know, those who live by the sword die by the sword, and I'm not lacking what I'm reaping here, so maybe I better start sowing something else. And, and good thing that just a few weeks before, he he's decided to start sowing a tithe rather than sowing um, deceit. And um, um, even though um, Laban was a deceiver, tried to rip him off, God blessed him anyways. Um, and, and this blessing, that this spoken blessing over Jacob was so powerful that nothing could stop that blessing. Amen. So remember that you're blessed. Speak the blessing. Keep being a giver. So now he's coming back. Um, God tells him to go back um, to where he came from, go back to Bethel, go back um, to where he grew up, go back and face Esau. And uh, Jacob is, is mega blessed. He's so blessed that um, he, he, he divides up you know, his, his servants, his family into to multiple, multiple camps. That way, you know, if Esau attacks one camp, the other can flee away. He, he's just thinking about how, how I can survive, how, how some of my children can survive, how some of my um, servants and livestock can survive. Um, and, and he sends out um, several droves of gifts um, just trying to, to pacify Esau. Um, literally hundreds upon hundreds of, uh, of livestock as a peace offering unto Esau. And um, um, as he's kind of planning to do this, um, Let's read in verse 24. He sends everyone off, um, and the next day they're going to face Esau. And now verse 24, it says, Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until the breaking of day. And I love, in my translation, most, most of your translations, man will be capitalized. That's because the people who translated it realize that, that this isn't just a normal man. This is, this is God in the flesh. And if you see God in the flesh before Jesus was born to Mary, we call it a pre-incarnate form of Jesus. When God is manifest in the flesh, when, when, when people can see him, experience him, touch him, it's called a pre-incarnate form of Jesus. I believe that, that that's what um, he is encountering. He's encountering God in the flesh, a pre-incarnate form of Jesus. Verse 25, it says, Now when he saw that he did not prevail against him, he touched the socket of his hip, and the socket of Jacob's hip was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And he said, let me go for the day breaks. But he said, I will not let go unless you bless me. So my first point was remember that you're blessed. Second point, keep being a giver. Third point, when you're facing a difficult situation, hard pressed on every side, don't let go. Don't let go of God's promise. Don't let go of his blessing. Keep holding on to God. Keep holding on to the promises. Keep holding on to the blessing. So he knew there was something different about this man that he was wrestling. He wrestled him so intensely. Um, it said that, that this man, you know, with a capital letter there, um, was trying to get away. I, I, I'm, this is one of the things I'm going to ask to see an instant replay of when I go to heaven. Someone wrestling with, with um, Jesus. 
with God in the flesh here, pre-incarnate form of Jesus, um, through the night. Let me go, the day breaks. But he said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. He was so intense uh, about, about receiving this blessing. He said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And God spoke to me something about this releasing of faith. This faith has to be so intense, so incredible that, that um, it's, it's almost violent. And when I, when I was kind of studying out Jacob, I almost wanted to, to preach a message called The Violence of Faith. Um, I'm not advocating violence in the physical realm, but, but our, our, in the spiritual realm, our, our faith needs to be so intense that it almost... It almost comes across as uh, violence. Um, Jesus said in Matthew 11, verse 12, and from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence. He's saying that, that since John the Baptist started ministering and faced opposition, was beheaded until now, until when I'm ministering now, the, the, the kingdom of heaven, it's, such, it's, it's facing pressure from the outside. It's hard-pressed. But, but people are still entering into the kingdom of heaven. People are still coming into the kingdom of heaven through faith, through a faith that is forceful and, and violent. Like, like the Canaanite woman who, who, had, who had the demon-possessed child. Jesus said, you know, it's, it's, it's not fitting. This, this is for the children's bread. But she said, even, Lord, even the dogs, even the dogs get a crumb. She had... She had violent kind of faith, like a faith like a dog that's not going to let go of a bone. We, we have a, a dog named Willie from Tennessee, and he, he's not the best behaved dog. He's a little dog, weighs about 20 pounds. He's a minpin. He was a, a rescue dog. He, he showed up on Heather's um, front porch there in Tennessee years ago, a couple years before she moved to Colorado. And anyways, Willie, Willie will hop up on the table if there's anything up there and get it. One time he hopped up there, we, we actually had, um, I think it was a rotisserie chicken actually. Heather had pulled all the meat off. Probably she was making enchiladas for Flourish or something. And, and I was eating the, the, the leftovers on the, on the carcass. And I just left it on the table. And Willie hopped up and ripped a bone off. And uh, man, you, you cannot get a bone away from this dog. He has a violent attachment to this bone. That, that's how your faith needs to be. It needs to be so, whatever bone, whatever carcass, whatever crumb, whatever, I'm not going to let go until ever. This is mine. In verse 27, it's, so he said to him, what is your name? He said, Jacob. And he said, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. For you have struggled with God and with men and have prevailed. He's saying you're no, long, you're, you're no longer a supplanter, but, but now because you've contended, you, you, you're not letting go of the blessing. You're not letting go of what God has for you. You're not letting go of that protection, of that provision, of that peace, of, of, of my very essence, my very presence. You, you, are not, you are no longer a supplanter. You're no longer a deceiver, but you are a prince. There is something royal about you. you. You are part of the kingdom. You are part of the family of God. Your name, is now, your name is now Israel, which means prince with God. For you have struggled with God and with men and have prevailed. Then Jacob asked, saying, tell me your name, I pray. And he said, why is it that you ask about my name? And he blessed him there. So Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, which means um, 
the face of God, for I have seen God face to face, and my life is preserved. Just as he crossed over Penuel, the sun rose up on him, and he limped on his hips. So he had to see a chiropractor once he entered the promised land. That's why there's a lot of good Jewish doctors, because Jacob had hip issues and back issues. It went out of alignment. Therefore, to, to this day, the children of Israel are good chiropractors and physicians. They also do not eat the muscle that shrank, which is on the hip socket, because he touched the socket of Jacob's hip in the muscle that shrank. Man, we need to not let go. This is my charge for you tonight. Don't let go. You are members of the house of God. If you, t- if you have said yes to Jesus, if the life of Jesus is on the inside of you, remember that you are blessed. Keep being a giver and don't let go. You are a part of his royal family. You have promises. You have rights. You have privileges. You have an inheritance. You have a birthright. You have victory. And whatever you're holding on to, you're not trying to get victory. You already have it. You already have that bone. It is your bone. Don't let anyone take it from you. You have the blessing. Do not let go. And, and really quick, let's skip ahead here a little further. So um, Jacob, Jacob meets Esau, and, and um, I don't know what happened through the night, but, but um, I believe that, that God ministered to Esau and somehow changed his heart, even though he had 400 men with him probably ready to just wipe out Jacob and everything that he, he had. Something happened, and there was supernatural peace there. And this, this, this prayer, this blessing that, that Jacob prayed 14 years before for God's peace, for his presence, for his protection, for his provision, it all came to pass. And Jacob said, if I come back to this place and if, 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 you, if you accomplish this in my life, I'm going to serve you forever. And um, he, he entered the promised land. He, he, he was on good terms with Esau. Later on, God actually called him and told him to move moved back to Bethel. There was just something special about the place of Bethel. There was just something special about the house of God. There's something special about where, where he had this open vision, where he saw angels coming up and down. There's something very special about that place where he knew that, that there was a gate of heaven. So God told him to move back to Bethel. So um, let's read about this um, in Genesis 35. Um, verse 1, Jacob God said to Jacob, Arise, go up to Bethel and dwell there. Make an altar there to God who appeared to you when you fled from the face of Esau, your brother. And Jacob said to his household and to all who were with him, Put away the foreign gods that are among you. Purify yourselves. Change your garments. So he's saying we we need to just cut off our ties with everything this world has to offer. And and we're going to go to, to the house of God. Verse 3, then let us arise and go up there to Bethel, and I will make an altar there to God who answered me in the day of my distress. He knew that he was between a rock and a hard place, but God was there for him. He knew that God answered his prayer. And, And he has been with me in the way which I have gone. God has been with me since that day of distress. He's been with me all this time. And I love what God now um, speaks to him. It says in verse 9 that God appeared to Jacob again when he came from Padan Aram and blessed him. So God, God wants to, just like, just like it should be our desire to speak the blessing, the power of the spoken blessing over our loved ones, God wants to speak blessing over you all the time. 
I believe that God only wants to speak blessing over you. God does not want to speak curses over you. If you have Jesus in your heart, the only thing that God does is just speak blessing over you. So he blesses Jacob yet again, verse 10. God said to him, your name is Jacob. Your name shall not be called Jacob anymore, but Israel shall be your name. So he reminds him of his identity. You are not a deceiver. You are not a supplanter, but you are a prince with me. And he called his name Israel. God said to him, I am God Almighty. I like that he actually, now God is speaking this blessing. This is actually the same blessing that Isaac um, prayed over, spoke over Jacob. So God, God was listening to that. God was listening to that. I believe when, when Jacob, was, um, when Isaac was praying this blessing, that, that Isaac was listening to the voice of God. When he was speaking this blessing, it was a prophetic blessing. He wasn't just speaking his own words. He wasn't just speaking the words of a man, of a father. He was speaking the words of God. He was speaking a prophetic blessing. And God is now speaking the same blessing to him. I am God Almighty, using the exact same terminology. I am El Shaddai. I'm the God of more than enough. Be fruitful and multiply. A nation in a company of nations. He uses that exact same word. This is the second time this word, this word for, for company, for an assembly, a congregation. And I love that Jacob, when he came back to Bethel, it wasn't just him. He wasn't just on his own, just isolated, just sleeping on a rock again. He was incredibly blessed. His family was blessed. He had servants. He had relationship. And he said, I'm going to have a company of nations that shall proceed from you, and kings shall come from your body. The land which I have given Abraham and Isaac, I give to you and to your descendants after you. I give this land. Then God went up from him in the place where he talked with him. So Jacob set up a pillar in the place where he talked with him, a pillar of stone. Did the same thing he did years back, decades before. Just took a stone, and he poured a drink offering on it, and he poured oil on it. And Jacob called the name of the place where God spoke with him, Bethel, the house of God. So this is my conclusion for you all tonight. Don't forget what you have on the inside of you. Though there might be pressure on the outside, what God has placed on the inside of you is so much greater. And you need to release it. You need to release faith. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Release your faith and watch God do the supernatural. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Karis Christian Center podcast. If you would like to receive prayer, product, or more information about the ministry, go to www.karischristiancenter.com or call us at 719-418-4000.